St. Leo 360, a 360 degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. Leo 360 podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode of St. Leo 360, we are talking about some hoops. Uh, we're talking men's basketball. And it's a true pleasure to be joined by Lance Randall, who is the head men's basketball coach of the St. Leo University Lions. Coach Randall, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Greg. We're excited to be on. Absolutely. I'm just personally a huge sports fan myself, love basketball. Uh, so super excited about this conversation and a lot of things we can get into here. So first off, Coach, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself as far as where you're from, where you were born in your early years? Yeah. So uh, I, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, was born in Wisconsin, Greg. Um, you know, and a lot of the Northerners, I eventually migrated down, down here, but uh, <laughs> got tired of shoveling snow, uh, sure. cold feet, cold hands. We, um, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. I went to, I went to school there. I played uh, college basketball uh, at a small school um, for a great coach, uh, Bill Napton at Beloit College. And actually, after I, I was a government major and a journalism minor, and um, after I graduated, I, um, I had applied to the Peace Corps and to Headline News. I was actually living in Hawaii, and hmm. my college coach. Uh, called me at, towards the middle end of the summer and asked me, our assistant had taken the head job at Lawrence University and asked me if I wanted to come back and be his uh, top assistant. So uh, I ended up doing it. I ended up coming back, obviously, and then uh, stayed there. And I coached. I got, I, I got my first head coaching job at the age of 25 at Webster University in St. Louis. And uh, I was very young. I think I was the second youngest NCAA head coach in the country at the time. Um, was there a few years we we won the our our league for the first time in school history and then uh, I went overseas and coached professionally in a in a in a, in a league there was a coach in 20 different countries a lot of the old soviet bloc yugoslavian bloc was in the ukraine um extensively wow. and then and then germany scandinavia lot through some of the areas you don't typically uh, you know, American tourist travel, which was amazing. And, and a lot of that was right during the transition where they were just coming up out of that uh, Soviet bloc rule. And so we, uh, that, that was really, that was pretty exciting to be a part of that. Um, and then uh, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, my wife and I decided to come back to the States at some stage. Um, and we, I got out at St. Louis University very interesting dynamic from there because I was there two and a half years. And my father was killed unexpectedly. He was a high school coach and I came back and coached his high school team for a few years. So I eventually got down, down to say I was at uh, Loyola, Chicago and Stevens point. We won a national championship at U division three at Stevens point, Loyola, Chicago. And I made my way down here to, to St. Leo, which um, uh, we're very appreciative of for certain. Sure. Sure. Wow. What a background. And I think you had mentioned to me you actually got to play with and meet uh, Michael Jordan at one time, right? Yeah, yeah, actually. And I actually just found the, the video of that, too, as a matter of fact. So many years ago, I had a good friend who um, he just took the assistant coaching job at the University of Michigan during the Fab Five era. And his job back in the old, he was a restricted earnings assistant, which was an NCAA term. They kind of, back when the, when the NCAA wasn't just limiting 
uh, student athletes, <laughs> keeping them from getting a piece of the pie. They used to keep coaches from getting a piece of the pie. They said coaches could only make basketball coaches. The third assistant could only make a certain amount of money. They lost that lawsuit. Like they've lost all these other lawsuits in the last 20 years. Um, sure. And then all these guys, all these coaches who were at one stage were restrictive earnings got, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars based on market uh, from the NCAA, from the universities in a, in a class action lawsuit. Um, I think that happened in the 90s sometime, maybe the, no, maybe the early 2000s, I think. So I digress. So anyway, he had just gotten the job and he was super stressed. He had to run the camp for Steve Fisher, the head coach at Michigan, and he needed camp workers. And it fell on a bad time for me. So he called me up and asked me to go. And I had tried the year before to get into Michael Jordan's camp. And this was during the height of Michael Jordan popularity. He's MVP of the league. They were winning the championships of the Bulls. It was impossible to break in. He had a connection to that camp. I said, if you get me in Michael Jordan camp, um, and I was young, I think I was 23 at the time. I said, I'll, I'll work the Michigan camp. So we did, I did a little horse trading, got into the camp, uh, worked the Michael Jordan camp. The first night of the camp, I was in the gym because I was still was playing and guys like Vince Carter was working the camp. He was in college still, mm-hmm. AJ Bramlett. Um, the next year, I think it was Pepe's a couple years later was Pepe Sanchez, but uh, uh, trying to think of who Sean Marion who played for UNLV and then played for a long time, like with the Mavericks and such. They were there in the gym. So we, all of a sudden Michael Jordan walks in and I had the next game. So if you understand how basketball open gym, you know, street court works, like, Winning team stays, and you got you get a guy. You get, one guy has the next game, and he grabs you know four other guys. And maybe if there's not enough, he grabs them off the losing team, whatever it is. But we had five guys sitting there waiting to play. And Vince Carter was on the court. Some of those guys were on the court playing. Their team won. Jordan walked in. He kind of hung around. He came up and said, "Who has next?" And I did. And I said, "I do." He said, "Do you need one?" And this is literally MVP Michael Jordan. This is right at the height. He right at the height of his 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 uh, uh, his talent uh, pinnacle, really. And so mm-hmm. he he and and so we kicked the guy off our team, and then we played and we played till one in the morning. This is probably about ten thirty at night. We played till one in the morning, and we won every single game. And I always say, like like obviously Michael Jordan was really good, but not all of us were obviously at that caliber. And we won every game because partially because he was the by far the best player, not just in the, on that court, but in the universe at that sure. stage. But but he would call if it, if he missed the shot, he would call foul at game point every single time <laughs> and then get the ball. And who was going to argue with him? They're just college kids and it's um, Michael yeah. Jordan's camp and it's Michael Jordan. And then the last night uh, in front of the, they have a televised thing and a big crowd and he, uh, Michael, I was doing security for the camp for it, and he shows up and and uh, on my basket. So I was rebounding for him. He said, "Are you playing?" And I said, "No." They said, "No coaches play." And he said, "You got shoes?" I said, "What I'm wearing." <laughs> so, All right, you're on my team. So I was his first pick. Now I know that he's taken a lot of heat for not being a great general manager, president, you know, owner of a team with some of the talent he's put together at Charlotte. So I probably shouldn't read too much into that for me being his pick because he's done he's had some bad picks. But I was the first pick. And on the game point, he kicked the ball to me in a fast break, and I hit the game winner. So he gave it up to me just like he gave up to Paxton and Kerr. Uh, and so that there you go. That was that was actually a pretty exciting time um, for, for something that is br- relatively benign in the course of a college basketball or just a basketball guy's career. Um, playing pickup with knowing watching was more exciting, more nerve-wracking than playing in the state tournament 
in front of 10,000 people or playing in the NCAA tournament as a player, <laughs> um, for sure. Amazing. What a great story and great memory to be able to share. So as far as St. Leo University, so I know this is your your second stint that you're currently in. So let's talk about your first stint. I know you came to the university in 2011. And just talk to me about how that all unfolded, how you made that connection with Fran Reedy, the athletic director, and wound up coming here. You know, I just, I, I think I ended up being a fit, you know, right place and right time. And, and honestly, the program had been so down for so long. I think they had 14 consecutive losing seasons and had been a struggle for a while. Um, so you're not going to get um, maybe as high level candidates. I think I was obscure both out of the area and, and um, be it a, at, at that stage at Wisconsin Stevens Point, a Division three guy. I wouldn't normally fall maybe in that, that, uh, that realm. And uh, I connected with Fran early on and just, uh, you know, picked up momentum. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, presented, presented a vision as you need to do when you're a head coach and interviewing, you present a vision of how you see the program and fail, you know, uh, you know, building. And um, we were able to come in and, 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 and make that success right away. Really brought in some really good people. We ended up bringing a guy who was, academic all American of the year. He ended up being two years later and player of the interleague three, all region four all region, all Americans um, and two all Americans of some level. And we ended up winning the conference and went to three NCAA tournaments in our four years here in that first stint, which was, you know, pretty exciting to be a part of that where you, where you're a part of uh, a great group of young men and, and, and sharing it with the community, with the St. Leo community, the surrounding community. And, um, that was pretty exciting. Something I'm very proud to have been a small part of it. Absolutely. And like you said, to be able to come in and make such a, you know, an impact in such a short amount of time after so much struggle and so many challenges here for so many years must have been so rewarding. Yeah, it was for sure. And, and we, we left for a job that was right near my wife's family. Um, and they had a, a massive change of administration. Um, three times actually and, and it just wasn't we, we missed St. Leo I mean we made a mistake and so when it opened back up um, it was a no-brainer for us to come back down gotcha and as far as that you know coming back for the second time was it pretty easy transition was were things pretty much the same when you returned yeah some things were different but I mean yeah it was definitely Greg it was an easy transition as easy as you're going to get in fact I would not have left for another coaching job at this level, except for St. Leo. I wouldn't have done it at this stage with my kids' age. I would, St. Leo would be the only place we had an affinity for it. Um, uh, for many reasons, it is a, you know, a special place. Um, feel very connected to a number of people, but just to the university in general and to the mission of the university. So it, it made sense for us and it was exciting for, for all of us. Um, be honest with you let's talk about your current coaching staff if you just want to mention uh who's on your staff and just kind of how you work together your different roles yeah so th with this last year we had um this last season we had uh, uh spencer hankey uh who actually is from oshkosh wisconsin oshkosh west is where where my dad coached where i took over when he um when my dad died so he played for a couple of coaches that actually played for me so there was a strong connection there. So that's how he ended up as my GA and eventually um, kind of my staff. And then we had Ron Fox last this last season who played for me and then played overseas in Argentina. Um, just a great person. And Ashley Webster, who was uh, local 
and um uh you know just again just another great person who um you know just bring a lot of high character brought a lot of high character um uh you know just to our our, our locker room and to our court and our day-to-day Sure. And was it Ashley that recently was featured on uh, some pretty big news broadcasts? And yeah, she, yeah, she did that that podcast with her with her son Aiden, who is absolutely adorable. Uh, he can't, he would come to practice pretty much every day. Aiden was at practice, and um, he's as, as kissable, cute little kid as you ever meet. Wander <laughs> around, uh, you know, had a has first step, and I think in the gym, certainly his first walking moment. So that was that was a lot of fun, and um, it was good for our guys too. I think any time you can, um, you know, it, it it makes it less about them, and sometimes that's that's one of the great pitfalls of of especially for basketball players uh, is that you can fall into the trap and just anybody in this day and age with social media, that, that the narcissism, that it's about you. Um, and sure. I think having Aiden in honor in our practices every day, it, it just helped uh, guys get over themselves, you know, for lack of a better term. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I know, Hey, to be featured on the today show, good morning, America. Pretty cool. just for the university in general. It was, uh, excuse me, it was very um, it was surprising to me because I'm not on social media. I mean, we have a social media thing for men's basketball. I don't run it. I do occasionally just check and make sure, you know, I will watch, make sure it's, um, but really I have my my wife and kids doing quality control for me on that. Um, and one of my assistants run it. Uh, I don't like social media, full disclosure. Um, I know there's some great things about it, but I just overall not a fan. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's it's still is interesting to me to see see something like that and how the whole viral thing moves uh, so quickly and and uh, but it was it's it's great because it's a feel good story for everyone involved. Like there's no there's no controversy or no strange moment or it wasn't something just glammed attention. Ashley just made basically a kind of an appreciation video and a cute video of her adorable son. And it just took off from there as, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people appreciate uh, adorable children um, and, and just the whole scenario. Exactly. Well stated. So let's dive into uh, the players that you've coached over the years. And let's just start with when it comes to recruiting, what kind of characteristics do you look for in a student athlete? Well, well, first of all, like the, the no brainer part is they have to be great citizens. And, and obviously people, the, when you, when you recruit, especially a high school kid, they're in a massive growth process, right? And it's such a change. We, you know, rip them out of their family structure, what they've known for a long time. And, and we pull them in, you put them in dorms, roommate, you know, in, in an intense level of expectations, a, 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 a very kid, loose schedule as far as as is you know when they used to be in school and wake up at 6 30 and go to class every single day now their classes there's time between do i take a nap do i do my homework now all these different decisions and uh, discipline and priorities that have to be arranged there's a lot that changes very quickly for these young men and women so that being said we we do very deep dive on their you know, integrity, just, and, and even more than that, like what type of teammate they are, you know, how, how do they, do they care about their classmates, their teammates? Um, Cause we want them to be great citizens. You know, we just want them to do that. But then the, the next component with that, that being a baseline level um, of anyone we recruit is 
uh, how competitive they are. We just, we just want them to be absolutely dominant competitors. Yeah. So, um, and everything they do, we want every drill to matter. Um, everything that, that they're after, um, it's just, you know, we put a score on it. And so th- those are the guys that are going to make it and succeed and help elevate the program at each other. Um, get through bad days. Cause you're going to have days where you, you don't feel great. Um, you know, where you're not playing well, maybe where your role is diminished, where we've lost some games and those, the competitive instinct really helps push through those moments as much as anything. And then after that, now you're putting a team, I think coaching overseas really helped me with that about the idea that, all right, you just can't snag your, you know, the five best players available. You got to make that five work. So when you coach overseas, I had a, a budget. So if I spent, uh, you know, $150,000 a year on, on my point guard, I can't probably spend that much on a wing because I'm going to have to spend a lot of money on a big, you know, a salary talking about contracts and salaries. So within my frame and my budget, it's similar here that like you can't load up on all wings. You got to be able to get some posts. It's not a matter so much of having a salary budget, but you have a scholarship budget and then you just have only so many roster spots. So even if you just love every player, you can't start putting 17, 18 guys in your locker room because it's just too many guys and not just physically too many guys, but more importantly, like mentally, emotionally, too many people in your locker room where you start feeling the pecking order stack up and, and then they develop clicks rather than bond with the entire unit together. So we, we are, you know, we're putting together a team that has that competitive nature, but then has a skill set, a size set. We want toughness for sure. We want them to have, uh, you know, basketball IQ, uh, but we, it might be a give and take. You know, we'd love them to be six, seven, athletic, shoot it, handle it, pass, selfless. And, and competitive and have a great basketball IQ and all. And so there's some things that some of them won't have, like some of them might not be able to shoot it as well, but are really tough and great rebounders. Or some people may be not as athletic, but be able to be really handle the ball and shoot it and just, you know, late game free throw. So all that goes in to putting that team together. And then, you know, then you also have to worry about balancing classes. So now with this day and age, with the transfer portal, with so many people transferring, you know, right. you don't want all freshmen, you know, and yet you don't, it's, it can be, it can get you off, off kilter because all of a sudden a great transfer is available and he's got two years, but you already have a bunch of juniors. So you really have to keep, be mindful of how all that works out. And that's a little more complicated than it used to be. But that being said, there's also more ways to fix it than it used to be because there's so many transfers available. Um, I know that St. Leo University, we really pride ourselves on uh, having a large international student body. And I think the same can be said when it comes to our athletic teams, you know, bringing in those international students across all sports. And just talk to me about the process of identifying those international kids and what's really involved in that. Yeah, that's it. That's a that's a that's a great question. So two years ago, we had a Lithuanian. When we won the conference championship two years ago, we had a Lithuanian and a Greek kid on our team. I think do we have any other internationals on that team? We have a number of Bahamian uh, managers, like our high, like student assistants, guys who um, just because there's a great Bahamian population and they've just been phenomenal, enjoyable to be around. We, we just end up with a lot. They like a lot of them have liked basketball and it's been a very good partnership. Um, but we haven't had, a, I haven't had a Bahamian on our team. Um, when I, co- when I coached overseas, I overseas, I had, you know, Spanish. Um, I had, uh, we had Russian, we had, uh, you know, Nigerian, you know, just, you just name it French, 
um, we had Asian, we had Turkish. Um, and here, last time here, we have had Turkish um, kids from Australia, India. When that happens, so now, so at our level, we do not have an unlimited budget. And also the Europeans run on a very diff, you know, different time period. So for us in the United States, you have the traditional basketball season, which is your traditional winter season. So we're, we're able to see guys play. It can be a little more difficult, uh, that process, especially if they're out of the state or out of the area for us, for me as the decision maker on whether to scholarship or not, um, we, the, it can be difficult to get up and see them in a timely fashion with our games being Wednesday, Saturdays, and then maybe they play on a Friday night and the flights being expensive or whatever it is. So that part, it can be very difficult, challenging for certain. But, but a lot of the recruiting is done during the AU season, which is, you know, a, a few weeks in April, largely, and a few weeks in ju July, largely. During COVID, post-COVID, they opened up June for Division One, So now more coaches are out watching kids play with their high school teams throughout June. So it really gives us a three, four month window to watch guys play. There is a dead period for us where we can't watch in, in the middle of May to middle of June. So the European model runs different because a lot of the guys that play are gonna be playing with national teams or club teams uh, with like a junior national team and sometime in June, sometime in July. So we, I have to make a decision. I have gone over there a few years ago. I coached with the Kosovo national team in the world cup qualifying, um, event. And part of that was I could, I could watch guys play while I was coaching. So it, it is a good recruiting mechanism. It's difficult as a coach to do that. But by doing that, I also gave up a few weeks of July recruiting of watching American kids play. Um, I've flown over to, I've been in Sarajevo and watched the, uh, the world cup, the B, uh, they break them up a, B and C basically a being the top teams, B being the second tier C being the, the, the third tier, the A can get really over recruited or a lot of those kids have already signed professional contracts and they're not available. So the B might have a little more midterm, mid level or countries that aren't always in vision or on the recruiting standards of the division ones or signed to have a great pro thing um you know a great pro system so one thing that that allows me to maybe have get there and see some guys that that are maybe it's not as um over recruited basically or already signed we'll watch a lot of tape ahead of time watch a lot of video a lot of people with the internet will send stuff to us and then but that's only part of the evaluation you really need to see them in person to get a total evaluation so <laughs> It can be difficult. I have a lot of friends still over there. A couple of my former players are coaches, uh, very good friends. One of my former players here, uh, his dad is the uh, executive director for FIBA Europe, for all of Europe. So basically like the Adam Silver of the NBA for, for European League, wow. all the European leagues. And he played here at St. Leo for me. Um, so he, he's been helpful. Um, and just a number of guys that we just have contacts over there um, as well. So that helps, but it really is hard. It, it is difficult. It's a good question because it is difficult to get an accurate evaluation anyway, but it's really difficult to get an accurate evaluation when you have to fly seven hours and figure out, you know, with limited resources, both financially and limited resources being time, what, what are we giving up for this, um, you know, makes that decision difficult. Sure, sure. Very interesting. And I know you alluded to COVID. I'm sure that, you know, obviously has affected things over the last couple of years as well. I, I use to years ago I quit offering scholarships until they come to campus and part of it is St. Leo's got such a beautiful campus and I love to get them here and just be a part and have them enjoy that experience 
um, you know, have that expectation beyond the back end rather than in the front end, you know, that they've already got the scholarship and such. But also I, I, I like to, I like to get to know them. And so to have some, spend some time and hopefully our, it's a time when our players are around so they can get to know them a little bit and I can take feedback from our players. So it goes back to the citizenship, the fit, personality, you know, who are they? Um, you know, I, and, and so COVID was the only time when I was not able to do that. When we just had to ba- we just based it off phone calls, Zooms and, and, and videotape. We had no personal contact with essentially two recruiting classes in a row, which was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them we got right and I think they got right. And some of them, you know, we didn't in that process. Um, so it really does make me appreciate more having them on campus, get in front of them and spending some quality time with them. As far as uh, competing at St. Louis University, getting the opportunity to play in the Sunshine State Conference, Division II basketball, uh, just talk to me about the benefits, you know, first specifically of playing at St. Leo and then just in general as far as this conference. Yeah, you know, so St. Leo, we, we have the best crowds in our league by far. Like our student body is the most basketball centric of anyone in the Sunshine State Conference. So we get very good crowds, um, especially when we win, when we're, when, we're, when we're good. We put a great product on the floor, so to speak. The league, uh, I love this league. I mean, the travel is exceptional in the fact that you everything can be a day trip. You're there and back in the same day. I mean, many of the Division Twos and the lower Division One leagues are either Bussing eight, 10, 12 hours one way, four hours across, doing double hitters on the weekends or missing a large amount of class. When I coached in the MIAA, we might bus to Oklahoma, drive across to, you know, camp and then play game, leave on a Wednesday morning, play on Thursday night, you know, bus eight, nine, 10 hours, bus four or five hours across to somewhere else, maybe in Kansas, maybe else in Oklahoma, and then bus 10 hours back on us, you know, get home at Sunday at 4 a.m. And that was brutal on our, you know, your, your student athletes are missing three days of class every other week, essentially. And, uh, and just the physical and mental toll of all that travel. Um, and a lot of low division ones have that or their, you know, commercial flights, connections, airports are not in great hub cities. Uh, and so from that standpoint, it's amazing. You know, it is a little unique being a Midwesterner and getting on a bus in January to go to a game and being in shorts and t-shirt and, and worrying if we stand around outside the bus too much, should I have sunscreen on my bald head? Um, you know, that, that is a unique thing for sure. Um, as far as the strength of the conference, I know that, uh, you know, teams within this, this conference are very talented. It's a very competitive league nationally, you know, the sunshine state conference in general across many sports is one of the top conferences in division two. If you could just talk a little more about the strength of this conference. If you have, if you win our conference in men's basketball, you have a chance to win the national championship. Um, I, I would say three years ago when I first got back in the league, Florida Southern was done. We had two or three teams in our league that could have won the national championship. And, and what's unique is, you know, some sports might only have 70 teams nationally competing or a hundred teams, you know, there's a like hundred football teams and some of these other Basketball, every single school has men's basketball that's in Division Two. So you're 330 odd schools. So you're really in some areas are traditionally, you know, the Midwest, um, the Northeast, some areas are really have some great basketball tradition. 
So it's it's more of a nat- the national champion can come from anywhere geographically. This league is amazing. The outdoor sports unbelievable. I mean, our league you you can finish sixth in our league in some outdoor sport and still be ranked in the top ten or fifteen in the country. That's not an anomaly just because it's so dominant. Obviously, by the weather down here, and people are going to want to play if they're going to play outdoors, play in good weather in the in the winter. So that that that's a unique situation for them. But yes, for men's basketball, it is a great league. Um, the national championship has come out of here. National champions come out of here a number of times and certainly been in the mix and uh, a, a great number of other times um, for certain. Right. Very interesting. Let's talk about how students uh, can balance athletics and academics. Obviously, there's pressure when it comes to both, you know, being a student athlete and what kind of advice do you give to your players on that front? It's a great question. I, we, one thing we we talk about with our recruits is that you know, that we really, if you're a mediocre student now, you're going to have the best, we anticipate you're going to have your best academic years here with us because we really push you. We believe in how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you don't love some of your classes, um, we encourage them to to uh, attack that homework first. Whatever class they don't like, don't wait. Uh, one of my assistants used to have this on his board and say, eat the frog. You know, basically saying first thing in the day, do the thing you don't like, the you know, thing you like the least. Sure. And, um, and and so we have study table with men's basketball program. We have academic study table. Every freshman, everyone that's under a 3.0 GPA that is not a freshman. And anybody, we do grade reports every uh, three or four weeks from professors to make sure their, their grades are up. They're attending class. They're sitting in the first couple rows. They don't have their phones out. They're not, um, you know, they're, they're respectful. And uh, they're on time. So if it comes back that their grades are at C minus or below in any class, they go into study table. If they're already in study table, then they they go from six hours to eight or eight to ten or whatever it is. It depends on their individual situation. Um, late for class and um, and those such. We have our own team punishments for that. Uh, and uh, and are, they're really good about that. I mean, we really get, I, I mean, almost never do we get grade checks back where somebody was late, uh, you know, cons- habitually or missed class that wasn't excused um, for either illness or our own team travel. But sometimes there has to be tech test proxy down the road. Um, they have to study on the bus rides for sure. Uh, and we just really, I, there's been a, a, just a number of success stories. And, and i I don't know if this is my 19th or 20th year as a head coach, and I've never had a team GPA under a 3.0. And uh, since we've been back here uh, this last year, everyone graduated. Um, so that was you know, outstanding as well. But we've had some great, um, some great students. Like I said, the academic All-American of the Year came from here, uh, Marcus Rue. Uh, a few years back, um, we've had a lot of guys, but even maybe even more importantly is we've had some guys who didn't have a lot of academic confidence or maybe study skills, uh, didn't realize maybe that they were smart. And uh, I really feel good about uh, what our staff has done as far as pushing them and them uh, discovering, learning s- s- successful study and strategies, things that can stick with them the rest of their lives in some endeavor and really feeling good about a GPA that they can put on their resume that's well over a 3.0 um, for the first time in their life. So and we have a great partnerships. The professors here are great. They certainly do. They give you no quarter as far as grades or anything with that, but they're great with communicating with us and appreciating, um, you know, the, the travel that student athletes have and, and uh, letting us know if somebody's struggling 
and need some you know additional push or help or somewhere along the way get tutors we have a great um tutor system at saint leo and, and we we have our guys meet um with tutors the moment they get in a struggle we have them sign up get themselves a tutor and uh, I think the peer tutorship here at St. Leo's is, is outstanding and, and makes it very easy and comfortable for, for um, you know, guys to do it. And we, and we tell guys, you can be an amazing student, brilliant. Sometimes you're just going to have that class that's just hard, that just doesn't sure. click for you. And you just need something to help you get over the edge. So that, that part I, I love. And, and my staff does a great job um, with that. And, and our guys know that we value it. And we demand it. And it is a sense of pride. It is for certain a sense of pride. Right, right. Very well said. So obviously going on to a professional career, you know, in any sport after playing college sports, uh, you know, there, there are very few that can succeed and, and get that opportunity. And I guess my first question is, have you coached anyone at St. Leo that's gone on to any kind of professional basketball career? I was just going to say also... If, uh, you know, in terms of just how how playing college sports can prepare someone uh, for various careers out there. Yeah, sure. Well, I think the, the first part, yes, we've had a number of guys go on to professional careers. Guys are still playing. Guys in Australia. Um, Spencer Mitchell played for me my first year. He's been playing the last seven years overseas. Um, there's a number of guys we've hit. I mean, just about any France, Spain, uh, England. Um, Italy, Russia, Israel, Australia, New Zealand, Argentina. We've had guys play a lots of different places. And a lot of that for them can just be a unique experience, right, culturally. Um, and, and for me, when I went over to coach overseas, that was probably as much as I gained as anything. And certainly, you know, the, the level was exceptional. We had ex-NBA guys. Current NBA coaches were over there. Nick Nurse, who's with the Raptors, was a head coach over there. Chris Finch, who's a good friend of mine, who's with the Timberwolves head coach now. He was over there again in our league. There's a number of guys, you know, that, so as far as career development, you know, uh, working with a 24 second shot clock really forces you to grow as a coach coming from the NCAA when back then it was 35 second. But really for me, culturally, and just being in coaching in 20 plus countries and meeting all these people and just uh, understanding a little, uh, little more in depth of how the world works and sometimes why it doesn't, um, that helped me. And I think it's really good for our guys when they do that. Sometimes they make a career out of it. And sometimes it's nothing more than just, you know, experiencing something new and just kind of uh, checking a box in their life and, and they continue to grow. But we've had a number of guys, I've had a number of former players that are have played and, and, and done very well and it's been enough to make a living and, and, you know, at least semi-retire, you know, fairly early. Um, and I've got a former player of mine that's uh, an assistant coach too, that's uh, an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks now. And, and that's uh, exciting to watch his growth in the, in the NBA at the highest, highest level um, from that mm -hmm. time. A number of our coaches have gone on to division one, number of assistants here at St. Leo last um We've had three leave here and go division one assistance, which is really exciting for me too. It's a big part of, you know, what we do is help. I feel good about the, their, their, their stepping stones for their careers and their lives and, and being a part, small part of that. As far as, uh, you know, how, how playing college sports, maybe basketball specifically a team sport can really benefit, you know, a graduate and alum in, in any career field. Well, it, it, it's definitely, you have to learn to be selfless. Um, when you're on a team sport, uh, the dealing of pressure, you know, time management, discipline, those are the obvious things we talk about the academics, you know, these guys, so obviously they have less time than the average student, you know, but, but everybody has some, you know, some people have different things they're up against, 
but they, so you have the bus, but you're also the thing that doesn't figure it. Like they're exhausted. Like we are practicing and playing, you know, 20 hours plus, you know, another maybe 10 hours of travel in a week. Guys are exhausted, but they still have to stay up and study for that test. They still have to write that paper, get together with that group project, whatever that is. That's part of life, right? I mean, you might have to go to work when you're ill. You don't feel your best. You know, you 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 might have to be, um, you know, you know, have to be to be there for your kids when things aren't always in the best. Um, you don't feel how how you'd like to feel. And I think that's one part it teaches just, again, that the discipline that you can do, that you have more, there's more in you, um, that if you work hard, that you will see a, a measure of success, that it does pay off. There is something at the end there, that there is something to putting one foot in front of the other and getting through the grind. And, and then all of a sudden you start seeing results and outcomes that, that you would hope for. It, doesn't, it never happens when you want it to happen, but it will happen, I mean, for certain. And then just being able to deal with the you know, that somebody else is making decisions, somebody else may be better than you, somebody else may get the glory individually, but I'm a part of something that, that's bigger and, and, and than myself. And, and I'm, I, I understand what I need to do to, to help move it forward. And those are, you know, anything you're in life, right? Your family, your, your, your friendships, and certainly your jobs. Those are, those are attributes and, and, um, um, skills that, that are going to help anyone be successful. All right. Again, our guest has been Lance Randall and Lance, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you. Everything you do for students, for athletics. Uh, it's definitely been, been a pleasure getting to chat with you here. Yeah, Greg, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it and enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it, this is a, this is a special place and, and you're, you're part of the, the many special people that are here on this campus that, that makes it what it is. So thanks again, Greg. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate that, Lance. Alrighty. Thanks so much. To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877 877- 622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.